Hi, it's, um, let's see now, Thursday night. So I guess tonight's Shana Rob, I suppose. In other words, on here we are, and I'm going to say a few words about, um, a few thoughts about Shemini Atzeris coming up, of course. And, uh, again, under the uh, sponsorship of Abe Gluck and Gluck Plumbing, our best friend of this podcast, best friends. And, uh, of course, that means you have to have some new fresh meat. So let me... Um, Take a shot at that. We all know Shemini Atzeres is a very strange holiday. Doesn't have any reason, it says in the Torah. And everybody knows the famous matters to Chazal that says, well, you know, the king wants to be an extra day with his servant. I'm not going to go over all that. You know that. Like I said, we need fresh meat. So, um, requires thinking a little bit deeper, I would say. And as I was thinking about it, um, it is interesting that we have, let me put it this way. It's got to be that if Shemini Atzeris is part of Sukkot, now hear me out before you say anything. If Shemini Atzeris is part of Sukkot, it has to have some, some basic connection with Sukkot, and Sukkot can go one of two ways. Now, I understand that Shemini Atzeris is also called Regal Bifneyatsum. I get that. With Pezer Keshev, you know, Pais Bifneyatsum, Zman Bifneyatsum. I understand all that. And so do you. So in certain respects, you're going to say Shachiona, for example. In certain respects, Shemini Atzeris is, is, uh, is its own holiday. Hear those words I just said, in certain respects, meaning in others, it's part of Sukkot. <coughs> okay? Now, it's not Stam's part of Sukkot, because <coughs> actually, Shemin Atzeris, you do not sit in the Sukkot. The only reason you and I do what we live in Chutzlars is because Sveka Diyumim, so theoretically, it could be a Shanarab, but you know what I mean? In other words, theoretically, and only in theoretically, um, if the second day of Sukkot is really the first day, which is the basis of having two days of Yontav, so if the second day of Sukkot is really the first day, then the then what you and I call Shemini Atzeres might actually be, but in point of fact, the seventh day of Sukkot might be Shanarabo. But really, 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 if you knew that it was Shemini Atzeres, halachically, then you wouldn't. So that's why in Israel there's no such thing. That whole discussion about whether or not you own the Sukkot on Shemini Atzeres does not exist. Because there in Israel, you know they have one day. You, you don't need me to tell you that. And therefore, that's based on the idea. And in Israel, you know. So... The eighth day is the eighth day. And consequently, you know, there's no, you know, you, you're finished with the sukkah. You don't sit in the sukkah. You finish the sukkah at the end of um, of uh, Shanarabah, not as you and I do, or many of us anyway, um, at the end of Shemini Atzeris. Shine. Okay, fine. Uh, but I'll say it again. In spite of what I just said, Shemini Atzeris is in some respects part of sukkah. As a matter of fact, that's what the word Bayom HaShmini Atzeres Tiyelochem. Atzeres can mean a gathering. It can mean a conclusion. Um, be, what would it be concluding? Be concluding Sukkot. It be close, closing ceremonies of Sukkot. Uh, that's what I'm going to concentrate on because I don't think we usually do that. Usually when people give speeches about Shmini Atzeres, they emphasize the ways it's a unique holiday on sun, Pezer Keshev. But, you know, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Pezer Keshev, Google it. I don't know. Look up Zevin. He gives you the whole business. I'm serious. Look up Modi Malach, he goes through the whole Pezer Keshev for you. Very nicely, too. He always does everything very nicely. But uh, you, but think of the other side of Shemini Atzeris, which is the conclusion of Sukkot. Now, it strikes me that when you look through the biblical record in Shmuel and Malachim and Dibre Yomim, you find this idea, these precedents, where um, there was some kind of a holiday, a big occasion, and then there was indeed in that Sarah's a concluding ceremony, 
characterized by this or characterized by that, as we shall see. The first one that comes to my mind that I don't know, I'm just going off my memory, just pulling out my Tanakhs over here. The first one that comes to mind would be the big uh, celebration when David Melch, when he was a king, he uh, danced the Aron from far away from Jerusalem to Yerushalayim itself. Do you remember that? It's Shmuel Aleph, I guess, be paired both. That, you know, David says, I don't want the uh, Ark to rest anymore. It, who is it? By Ovid Ebn or something like that. And so, um, uh, they, he, he wants, he transfers, right? Uh, the whole Ark with Shloshim Elf, with 30,000, you know, uh, accompaniers and dancers and people from all over the country in addition to that. Okay? Right? They transport it. Now, I know there's an incident with Uzzah and all the rest of it, but, but by the time the process is over, he does bring the Ark into Yerushalayim, dancing and prancing. And, um, as it says, and they put it in a tent. So the Aron Kodesh, the box that had the Ten Commandments in it, and the original Sefer Torah and all that stuff in the Mon, that physical box was located during the reign of David Melech in Yerushalayim, in a special tent. The only thing is, it was not in the base of Mish, because Hashem told him he can't build a base of Mish, as you know, Shlomo did that. So, um, so what did David do, okay, when they brought it in, you know, by Yavis, so it says, they set it up by Al David Olus Hashem Shlomim, and they did all these carbonas. And then what does it say? Then he makes a special bracha to the people. Now I don't think it means, okay, that he simply got up and said, you know, Gebenched, you know, something like that. It means he made like a certain a uh, party or ceremonial, and it even talks about the fact. He gave every single person there a goodie bag, and everybody got you know a slice of meat and a, and a roll like a bagel, you say, and some wine and stuff like that. And only then they went to back to the house. And notice they had a concluding ceremony. The ark had already been transported. It had been set up by a seagull, so it had been set up in the place where it's going to remain for the rest of the life of David Melech. Everybody understood all that, you know, and um, and everything was fine. But then they wouldn't have a concluding ceremony. I mean, why don't they simply say like this? It's all over. Let's go home. You don't do that. You get my point? When you have something formal, and you have something special, then you have a concluding ceremony, and that's Harris. His Atzeres was simple. It concluded making a certain bracha, meaning he blessed everybody. Maybe he greeted them. Maybe he went to everybody. I mean, it's totally possible. Maybe everybody had a ceremony where they walked by the Melech, like you do Friday night in Yeshiva by the, or, or in the Yeshul by the rabbi or Rosh Hashiva or something like that. And he gave everybody out this goodie bag. I mean, why does the Tanakh have to tell us this? Unless you say, this was an Atzeres ceremony. So, when we have a Shemini, Shmi, Atzeres Tehilachem, the Torah is talking about something that was familiar in those days, which is you have a ceremony to say goodbye, um, not to say goodbye, but to conclude on a formal note, and not doing that is something of an insult. That's the point. Not doing that is something of an insult. So, um, I'll give you another example that comes to mind. When Shlomo Melech, as a matter of fact, I think the Tosefta quotes this, 
if you'll remember. And you look at Mochamal when they had those chapters about Shlomo building the base of Migdash and all that. And then, of course, he threw the party of parties where he invited the whole colleagues from one end of the country to the other. Right? Let's see over here. And they have all the ceremony. Um, and then, what does it say? After he makes all the speeches and so forth and so on. Uh, one second. I think it would be in the Perikhes, I imagine. I think. Uh, yeah. Listen to this. He threw a party, meaning the inauguration of the Beis Hamikdash. You can imagine what that was like after building it years and years and years, and uh, the whole Klal came, and um, and what do you call it? And they had like a huge uh, ceremony, uh, and the ceremony consisted of of carbonas. Um, My goodness, it's a holocaust. 22,000 uh, bakar, you know, bulls, were shechted and offered up as shlomims, meaning that was the barbecue, because you got to eat it. And, you know, and they had a gigantic crowd. And 120,000 sheep. So again, 22,000 uh, bulls. Now tell me how much steak and all that goes into that. And then tell me about, you know, la- uh, lamb for uh, 120,000 times. Okay, so that's what it took to feed that crowd. Right? And now, wait a second. And this is the year you'll recall probably that they ate on Yom Kippur. Remember that? They were allowed to. It was Ar Shah. They ate on Yom Kippur. So it was really everybody's in a good mood. And it was a Kodak moment because the, the Jews had their own country and now they had a base of English and they had a good king and Ishtachas Gafnov, Ishtachas Tain. Everybody was, was prospering and so on and so forth. And then it says, and again, this is well known, which is why. Um, uh, here it is. Shalom celebrated uh, uh, the seven days of the uh, of uh, the inauguration of the temple by the Chag, and I was a Chag Asukas. Okay? And the Chag Asukas. Well, what it literally says is like this. Um Shalom so it was seven days and seven days. So the first seven days are the seven days prior to Sukkot, and the second seven days was Sukkot. And that's where they get the idea that, uh, as Rashi says, Nimtsu b'shachlu b'shasu b'yom ha-kippurim. But then it was over. B'yom ha-shmini, meaning when those 14 days are over, when the second seven days are over, now you have the eighth day, Shilach is on by Yivarchus HaMelech, they had a big ceremony, we sent everybody home, and they greeted the king, meaning they had some kind of a ceremony. So it wasn't simply they said shalom. There was some kind of a, you know, they gave him a prize. Who knows what they did, okay? Uh, but in other words, it wasn't, it wasn't a chagiga in the classic sense. It was a different type of chagiga. Uh, and that is used, that's often used as the, um, the concept that, you know, you have a day to sort of formally end the ceremony. The third uh, example that comes to my mind is in Divrei Yamin when Chizkiyo, I'll just do it by heart. It says, Chizkiyo, you know, no, I won't. Chizkiyo, when he became the king, his father had been so wicked. And so Chizkiyo wanted to, to reverse that, and he did. And uh, one of his plans that he executed was to uh, try to do a launch, a big Kirov movement, 
not only for the people of Yehuda, but also for the, those in the north. And he decided to make uh, Hanukkah, which, um, I'm sorry, decided to make Pesach, Pesach, which was upcoming, into a big splash, so that that would have a positive spiritual impact on the uh, on the Jewish people. And what it says is that, uh, let's see over here, uh, after he dedicated the temple, then people started to show up. This is all in Perk Lamed and Lamed Aleph, or wherever. Um, and he tells people, please come. And uh, and it worked. They, they At least for some people, right? He got a big crowd to come for um, a, a big crowd to come for for what do you call it? for for um, Pesach, which was also a kind of a dedication of the new newly rebuilt from frumed up Pesach Migdash. Uh, now, and it says by the way, by they got rid of a lot of idols and stuff like that. Okay. Now what happened? You have the first day of Pesach, right? Guitarist Moshe Yishol came, and um, and there were a lot of people that weren't. It says they were they weren't uh, halachically ready, but he let them participate anyway. As a Shah. and it says like this: Vayasu Bnei Yisrael a Pesach Chagamatsa Shivas Yom B'Simcha Gedola, and he turned all seven days of Pesach into Simcha Gedola. Now wait a second. Um, how do you do that? The first day is a Seder and all that. I get that. Eat the carbon Pesach. But what are you doing Chalmoy Pesach? So he says they made it into a permanent Karbach situation, you know, a big a concert. Mahalim Lashem Yom Biyom Halvim Akonim Beklei Oz Lashem. They got the, the the official band and choir of the Beis HaMikdash. So these guys were professionals. And they entertained in in in, in from songs. Mahalim Lashem. Okay, so it was like one of these, you know, I'm saying Karbach, I'm dating myself, whoever the new, the, the new guys are now. But, and he said, by the way, give it your all. And then, listen to this, then it was over. Then Pesach is over. The seventh, it's seven days and the seven days are over. But everybody was on a high. And so what they did was, they said, this is going so well, Let's extend Pesach a second week. And again, that's a Horosha, obviously. And they did. And so it had a tremendous impact on everybody. By the time they went home, it was Simcha Gedola, and so on and so forth. They again had the ceremony where they bless everybody. And their prayers went up to Shemaim. That's what it says in the Pesach. Okay? That's what it says in the Pesach. So it was spiritually successful. So you see from all over these places, and I'm sure there are probably a couple others, as a Chemi, whatever, that when you do a formal ceremony, especially a seven-day ceremony, you should have a concluding ceremony to do it right. You know, to do it right. So when you have Sukkot, when you finish, it's the end of Sukkot, meaning you're saying bye, like goodbye to the Sukkot, so to speak. Again, I know it's a regular Bifniyasma, but it's also not a regular Bifniyasma. And so it's the conclusion of Sukkot. But why would Sukkot need such a big conclusion? Well, first of all, any formal occasion wants a Sukkot, but maybe there's more to it than that. Here, it seems to me, it depends if you do Sukkot Mamash or Ananiya Kavod, which are the two possibilities, correct? So imagine 
if you have uh, Sukkot's Mamish. So then the character of Sukkot, as I mentioned the other day, is one of commemoration. Um, physical, com- uh, no, remembering of hardship. You were 40 years in the desert. Nochash, Sarv, Akrov, Simona, Mayim, and you survived it. You understand? Nochash Hashem got you through it. And that was our ancestors. And when it was over, they got to Israel. So that's the transformation. They were in Sukkot, temporary dwellings, until they came to Israel. And then eventually everybody got their house. Think about, you know, they got their land. Put yourself in the shoes of a Jewish person, a soldier, whatever, who lives at that time. So 40 years or however long it was, depending on your age, you were in the Midbar, and you got used to a certain life, which was a temporary life. This is Sukkot's Mamish. And it wasn't so easy. The mun was everywhere, but nobody liked to have a mun taste it, it says. Um, there was plenty of what you needed for survival. But that's kind of what it, what there was. And then things change. You end up in a house. As a matter of fact, you end up in a nice house. Because it says they took over the house of the Kanani and Murray Brizibusi. Batim Ashilo Bonisa. You know, Krami Mashelo Natata. Zaysim Mashelo, whatever. Meaning, they took over going concerns. Uh, when they conquered the Amori, the Prezi, and these other guys, I mean, when they won, and they killed out the inhabitants or chased them away, they, they moved into their house. I want to tell you something. A lot of that happened in 1940 and 49. Um, people don't want to talk about it, but a lot of these refugees, they simply took over Arab houses because Israel uh, kicked out or in the war. However it happened, it's a controversy, over half a million Arabs ran away from what, the, what was called Medina Israel in the 48 borders. And so these houses were just taken over. So a guy gets off the boat from Poland or Czechoslovakia or something like this. And if he's got the right protection, they say, well, you go to this house in Haifa or this house in, in, in West Jerusalem or this house in Tiveri or Tzvat. And it's yours. So in other words, they, took, they didn't have to build it from scratch. Um, and... There were plenty of others who did have to build it from scratch, but plenty who did not. So imagine a person's going from pillar to post and has been a refugee, and think of the following. Just consider the following. Somebody was in the war, and so they were in camps, or running away from the Germans, or this, that, and the other, and never had anything permanent. And that's what they got used to, because they had no choice. And then when the war was over, they had a DP camp, and... Some, and remain in DP camp for a long time, so it's not a permanent situation either. And finally, let's say in 1948 or thereabouts, they make Aliyah, and they come to Israel, and things work right for them. I had a relative like this. I have a, I have a relative like this. A distant relative, not from. And they you know, and they were given a house uh, right near Haifa. I forget where, Bat Yam, something like that. Kerry Yam, I don't know. Uh, and so for the first time in their lives, or the first time in a long time, they have their own place. Imagine what that feels like. You're not in the hotel anymore. You have a permanence. It's mine. No landlord. And it's a farm, too. Uh, it's amazing. This is what you call Shemini Atzeris. In other words, you're commemorating the, the conclusion of the Sukkot part, Sukkot Mamish, and the transition to Bias. Which was Givaldic. You see, if it's Sukkot's Mamish, you're not saying 
the sukkah was an ideal situation. You're saying it was a necessary situation to undergo as part of the price of of, of getting there to Israel. It was a you know a, a sacrifice along the road that our ancestors did. I think I read you from the Rokeach, where he even goes farther and says that the uh, that this, the the sukkahs were the uh, pup tents that the soldiers had to make when they were fighting the wars against the Canaanim. And uh, so in other words, in the desert, they were in tents, which is also temporary, tents. And then uh, afterwards, they were mamish in, in these huts, meaning that they're, they're under very difficult combat conditions, let's put it that way, in terms of logistics. They're not push it. You know, you never have a full sleep, and you're always this, and I don't want to talk about personal hygiene and things like this. It's a real bummer. Uh, and the Rokeach says, in order that you should remember that your ancestors didn't get Israel on a silver plate. You got Israel on a silver plate, but they are the silver plate. No, it's they're the ones who made the sacrifices so that you should have Israel now. That's what uh, that's what Rokeach says. So it's all part of Sukkot's Mamish. Get it? And if you understand Sukkot's Mamish, then you don't say, oh, this is a holiday and all the rest of it. You say, we remember and we're grateful that we underwent the process of Sukkot, but <coughs> we we did that as a stepping stone to the ultimate goal, which is to get a bias in Eretz Yisrael. And Shemini Atzeres would then represent the idea that you're celebrating the fact that you were in Sukkot, and then you got out of Sukkot and ended up with a bias. Uh, if, if you had <coughs> a permanent house with the comfort that goes along with the permanent house, and you're not mitzayir, so to speak. Yes, Kavaldik. And Shmini Atzeres, I think, would be then associated with this the same way <coughs> that these other holidays were associated with the concluding ceremonies of these wonderful events, the dedication of the temple or whatever it was. Um, here it was the conquest of the land. And the one day, <coughs> the one day that you have Shmini Atzeres is, according to that, excuse me, would, would, would go as follows. For seven days, you pay tribute to the hardships of your ancestors, the Sukkot Mamish, um, like the Rukeh or not like the Rukeh. And when the eighth day, you sit there and you just say like this, um, and now we, we, we contemplate the, the happy ending. It was a story of hardship, had a happy ending. And the Shemini Atzeris, the eighth day is the day where you consider a happy ending. Notice, you know, something like that, however the expression goes. Um, that's the heart of the Pashib shot, I think, of the Shmini Atzeris. Uh The privations are, are, are admirable, but it's not what you want to live in. The Bnei Israel don't want to live all the time in Sukkah. Now, there are those Darshanim that don't agree with what I said. You can get an Abishit says a whole long thing where he says everybody should live in a tent and you shouldn't want a house, and you know you should regard Olam as temporary, and so on and so forth. I think he was saying that against all the richy riches in his time. If you read the whole speech in the Yaris Devash, and second of all, he's saying don't get too wound up with materialism. I get that. I understand. Don't get too wound up with materialism. But I hate to tell you, the Book of Dvarim has materialism in there. But the only thing is, the Book of Dvarim says don't get corrupted by the materialism. Right? You'll have uh, you know. Uh, um, 
פרטים טוב אשר בלמיסו, בורס חצי משל חצפתו, קרום בזייס משל נתתו, you're going to have prosperity. The only thing is, don't say it was Koki Vyotsim Yodi. But it's not like Moshe said, listen, even when you go to Eretz Yisrael, everybody should live in a tent. Let's imitate Avram Avinu. That's good for a drush and the Veltoran, you know. But believe me, the people then and people now aren't looking to live that kind of a life. Everybody wants a permanent uh, house. I didn't say you li- have to live in Taj Mahal. You, know, you have to live in Buckingham Palace. But you should live in a house. People, people, want, people have a natural tendency to want the permanence. The only thing is, Moshe Rabbeinu's warning in Devarim that the you know feeling of permanence can cause you to forget Hashem. I hear that, you know, and that is, that is certainly true. That's a good insight, uh, but uh, but that's what they wanted, and so there's nothing wrong with somebody saying like this: I daven every day that the Mashiach should come, and that all the Bnei Israel should go to Eretz Israel, and we should have a good life there. Meaning, and we should live, you know. There's nothing wrong with saying, I hope I get a decent uh, house with three cars and all that kind of stuff. And I don't need any slaves, just, you know, the air conditioner should work, the bathroom should work, the rent, should, you know, the, the mortgage should be paid up, and I'm happy. You know, everybody should be healthy, nobody should be sick. That's fine, but you want a certain level of comfort. It's not decadent to want a certain level of comfort. It's decadent to be hooked on comfort, not prepared to me. It's a sacrifice comfort. But at the end of the day, bias, comfort, is part of the Mashiach site. It's not all of it, but it's, it's, it's not a small part of it. And Shemini Atzeris, I think, is about that when you go in the Pashim Shot way. Now, on the other hand, on the other hand, the holiday circles could be understood very differently. It could be the Ananiya covered, in which case you're regarding the sojourn in the desert as a glorious and miraculous episode to be celebrated because it's amazing, and Nebuch, you and I are not living in such a time. Instead of the other way, which you say, oh, I'm thankful I'm in a house now, and my ancestors had to go through a lot of sorrows, but I don't, you say like this, I live in unmiraculous times. What a bummer. I wish I was in the time of Moshe Rabbeinu, and I could see, you know, Nisim Geluyim. You hear, sometimes people talk like that. I wish I could hear, you know, the cold chauffeur in Harsinai. If only I could be there... To watch the Kriyas Yamsuf or, you know, Ogmel Chaboshan getting destroyed miraculously or stuff like that. Oh, that would be Gavaldic. And when we were in the desert, uh, it's surrounded by Anani Akavod, and therefore Sukkot is a time when we have Simchas Beiseshaweva and things like that to celebrate goof for the fact that, you know, that the experience of living in a Sukkot was Gavaldic. So that the Sukkot you and I make, the Halachic Sukkot, doesn't really resemble the Ananiya Kavod, except that if you invested with Kedusha, and you try to think that way, so you can have a Kedusha Dikasukov, you know? Like the, like they talk about in this forum. If you make sure that there's only the Torah there, you never tell any Lashon Hara, you don't think any bad thoughts, right, in other words, Halavai. Halavai, that a person should say, I'm sitting in a stupid wooden sukkah, you know, that I bought here and there. But to me... Even though it's physically made out of wood, it represents a, a ruchnius dekamitsius, and I'm sitting in sale of the mehemnusa, etc., etc., etc. That's fine, right? There's nothing wrong with that. That's a different. That's a different account of sukkahs. And in that case, listen closely. You have the seven days in Yom Hashmini. The seven days are associated with the seven ananiya kavod. Now you'll ask me, what are the seven ananiya kavod? There's six in each direction, like you do with the nanuim, you know. There's a uh, up, down, 
right, left, front, and back. That's six. So where do you get the seventh? The seventh was there was an extra anon, which uh, preceded Banan Holich Lefneim Bayom, right? Yomom, I think it says. There was another cloud, a seventh, that preceded them and, and gave them guidance on where to go. It showed them the direction. Because they didn't have a compass, and they didn't know where they're supposed to go. Plus, Hashem, in the end, didn't take them the straight route. He took them in a, in, in a curving, you know, circuitous route. We know this. And how are they supposed to know where to go? And the answer is they followed the Onan. So if that's the case, it's kind of a blind faith. In other words, wherever the Onan is, that's where I go. That's where we, the three million Jews in the desert, go. So the whole episode, the whole experience of Sukkot, was kind of a, like a magical one. And seven, of course, is the seven days. So in other words, according to that, the first day, Echveis would be associated, I don't know, with the with the Anon that was on our right, and the second day with the Anon that was on your left, and the day, the third day is the Anon behind you, and the fourth day is the Anon in front of you, and so forth. I don't know the exact thing, but it must be in some Kabbalistic safe or whatever they do. It's such an obvious, you know, matching that you know somebody's going to give you what each day represents. Same way they come up with the Ushpizan, each day represents something. Each day be one of the Anonim. And then you get to the seventh, to the eighth day. What does that mean? You finally arrive in Eretz Yisrael uh, and you get your house. You don't need these Ananiya covered. Maybe you want them, but they, they departed. Okay? And now you got to make it on your own. And um, you're in the eighth one, which is that the seven are gone. That's the meaning. When you get to eight, the, you know, the seven are gone. And now you're facing, you know, the responsibility of, of finding your own derech, so to speak. Um, this is Shmini, this Atzeres Tielechem. That would be the Atzeres, I guess, with the idea of, of stopping. You're, you're transforming from a miraculous existence on the one hand to a Derech Tev existence on the other. <clears throat> now, maybe you should cry over that. Why would you make it a holiday? Obviously, the Torah wants it that, that um, you know, uh, people should want to say, I want to live in 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 the uh, in the physical world, you know. Um, that's a little bit antithetical to what sometimes they'll say in from speeches, but nevertheless, the ultimate goal was for the Jewish people to get to Eretz Yisrael and build a physical kingdom there, build a physical malucha there. Now it should be malucha minus Abu Zara and you know Averis and things of that nature. And I know it didn't turn out that way, but I'm saying that's the idea. But nevertheless, it's a physical zach, okay? So. You're you're not living in anonym. Uh, when you're living in anonym, it's not a it's not a normal existence. The Rebbeinu didn't create the world that Adam and Eve and everybody else should be surrounded by anonym. The Jews in the desert, because they were designated for special purposes by Hashem, because they're the door that left Egypt and the door that got to Maimon Har Sinai and all the rest of it. Also, the door of the Golden Calf. But nevertheless, the, the basic idea. So they had anonym. Uh, but uh, when they get to Israel, they do not have anonym. So do you think that's a good thing? Do you think it's a bad thing? You can go either way. But the basic idea then would be uh, that when you get to eight, you're beyond, you know, it's, it's uh, we usually call it a and a teva, but here I would say it means restoration of teva. Um, because if the seven usually is associated with teva and the eighth then is not, so I would flip it over here 
This is probably the way to understand it according to the ones the Ananiya covered. The seven days was the Lamailam Teva, because the Ananiya covered was not your normal existence. So the eighth day is beyond that you go back to Teva. And that's what happened. Because the Pasik says in Yeshua that on this and this day the Anani the Anonim left, and then the Jews were on their own. Uh, because Hashem didn't create the world, so people should live in Ananiya Covid. Uh, it was an interesting time when it, when it happened, you know, and a glorious time in a certain way, no question about that. But that's not what it's supposed to be. And so what you're doing is you're celebrating um, and you don't have a lot of carbonus, as we all know, there's only one carbon or so, uh, because you're going back to Der Chateva. Um But it's not something to be moaned and groaned. It's something to be celebrated. Um, because now you're supposed to take the lessons you had from 40 years surrounding Nani Yaakovin and see if it works in the real world, meaning if you can implement it in your lives. We know it didn't turn out so push it, but the idea is that um, that you know that they, that that you should make this part of the regular world. Um, this is really what we imagine, what we understand in Judaism. You're supposed to take, you know, the uh, ruchni stuff and put it in, in the gashmi stick of world. Uh, but it's a gashmi stick of world, and so we symbolize. If you go with this mahalach, we symbolize this by departing on shmini atzeres from the sukkah ceremonially, that's the Atzeris part. I told you, in Israel, there's no question, you don't sleep in the sukkah, there's no suffolk diuma. So that means you depart from the sukkah, but you're still in a yontif, meaning you're still supposed to take the, you know, uh, Kedusha aspects of it and still implement them in your regular life. This seems to be the, uh, as I can tell it, this seems to be the, the meaning if you go with the Ananiya Kabbalah. So if you go according to the Sukkot's Mamish, then the eighth day is a big celebration because you're going from impermanent and uncomfortable to permanent and comfortable. If you go, on the other hand, that the Sukkot is the Anani Akhavit, then you're going from the miraculous to the mundane. But the miraculous to the mundane is the way it's supposed to be. It's not something to cry over. It's not boo-hoo, uh, let's have a fast day. I mean, otherwise, it's a fast day. That's the day the Anani left, you know. There are such fast days in the Shulchan Aruch, remember, when Aaron died, and this and that and the other. But overall, we don't say you're supposed to fast. You're supposed to have a yontif. Okay? It's interesting. You're supposed to have a yontif. The yontif is commemorating this. So, in in the original, in my understanding, in, in the original form of Shemini Atzeres, that is to say, before um, <clears throat> Simchus Torah was invented, so, uh, what, did you, what, what were they supposed to do? Th- think well. The Bnei Yisrael, if they followed the rules, all went on Sukkot to the base of Migdash. It's one of the Shal Shagon. And they're very busy during the seven days of Sukkot. When it's a B'Samach B'Chagecha, I mean, that's not a passive thing. That's an active thing. And remember, they had Sukkot Beis Shoev every day as part of the whole business. And so you didn't just go into Yulim, you know, or, or just hang around. As as had there was a lot of things to do, from wise, during the seven days of, of Sukkot. The carbonas, everything in Beis Hamikdash, all the other stuff. But then, seven days are over, but everybody is still in Yerushalayim. They haven't left. You couldn't travel in the Yantiv, and they had this big whole attraction. 
of the Shuva, I'm sure precisely to keep everybody in town and keep them there to the end of Yantiv. And it says, you know, whoever never saw a Simcha Beshoeva, that's not a big deal, as we all know. So you're supposed to be in Yerushalayim. So it's not like everybody left on that day. It's the day before you leave. The day before you leave is the day you're 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 no longer in a sukkah, and you're already thinking of post sukkot, but you're already thinking of post ananiya kavod. Meaning, imagine me, the farmer, for example, traveling to Shalim, and I go and I see the base of English and all the ceremonies after I'm attired myself and all the rest of it. Wow, it's amazing, you know. You see the simple we see the choirs, you see the whole concept of business of Beit Hamikdash. And that is a kind of, rep, you know, replication of the Ananiya Kavit, so to speak. It's not the same thing, but it's as close as a regular Jew could see in the old days. Because you live far away, you're living on a farm somewhere. But when you go to, to the base of Migdash, especially in the Sukkot, and everybody comes with a little of an asterisk and so forth, it's like quite remarkable. And then it's over, you see? And now you're headed back home, right? So you're... During the seven days in, in Yerushalayim, I mean, I don't even know how they worked out the Sukkot's angle over there. Um, plus, they were Holchi without going into all that. Uh, it was not a simple matter of, you know, you come Yerushalayim, like nowadays, people go to Yerushalayim, you know, rich people, and they stay in a hotel, and you and you eat in the Sukkah, whatever you do. Um, and and the, uh, you know, being in the Sukkah is like the central part of being in Yerushalayim. In those days, being the the base of English is the central part. You see, the ceremonies, the carbonus, and all the rest—that's the central uh, part, not the Waldorf Astoria. You see, not Mamilla, and then it's over, and then you're about to leave. No, don't leave right away. Stay a day and chill, and think about because the carbonus are very simple, you know, and they don't take them much time. The other day you stay there, it's fifteen bulls, twenty-five of this, that, and the other. When you come to Shmi, it's there. It's very, very short. You know, what is it, Parachad, Ayalachad, something like that? Take, you know, it takes 10 minutes. So you're supposed to hang out. You're supposed to chill there. So what are you doing? You're getting ready to think about going back to your bias. And what have you picked up from from, from the sukkahs, from your experience in Mesa Migash, that you bring back there? So if we had a Shemini Atzeros like that today, we would be, it's like second day of sukkahs, or, I mean of Shavuos or something like that. Just, just supposed to, you know, chill. And hopefully, after a person, if they had a real ruchni stick of sukkahs with the shpiz and all the rest of it, they'd be sitting there and like sort of like taking it in. But historically, nature abhors a vacuum. Judaism abhors a vacuum. And just sitting around and chilling became antithetical to the Jewish culture. And so they created the, the whole uh, Simcha story. They decided to put it on that day. In which case, Shemini Atzeres, especially in Eretz Israel, is the antithesis of a day to chill. Da'akafas and everything else makes it a day we're totally busy. Now, as we radically transform the character post-based Amigdash from the Gonic times on into something quite different. Instead of a day of chilling, it's a day of intense activity. Um, that's how the Jewish religion often runs. That, uh, you know, it had a certain character at one point, and then maybe in Gaulus face, I don't know why it happened, it completely changed the character to a very, very busy day. Um, imagine if you're Eretz Yisrael, but even by us, but Eretz Yisrael, on um, Shabbos morning this year, you got your uh, regular davening, Yantav davening, you got your Kohelis, you got your Yisker, then your Hakafas. 
I mean, it's going to take a long time, you know? Today is not one of chilling, right? Um, which is just interesting, you know, that's the way it kind of morphed. But, you know, when they had all this extra time, especially in Kutzlar, so two days, what do you do the second day of, of, of Shemitah? It's, it's, it was, I guess, the Jewish spirit couldn't handle just being quiet for two days, and they created this thing called Simchas Torah, which I spoke about in the past. Oh my goodness, I went way too long over here. All right, now let me wrap this up by saying that um, I think if you if you consider, I'm just suggesting if you consider Shemini Atzeret is the conclusion of Sukkot, not just the regular Bethany because in some respects it's not. In some respects it's part of Sukkot. Then you have to tie the meaning of Shemini Atzeret to whether you hold Sukkot as a Sukkot Mamish with that whole narrative, or you hold this on Nani with a different narrative. Um, that's what I think. Again, I want to thank um, Abe Gluck and uh, Gluck Plumbing for sponsoring us. And uh, I hope they and everybody else will have a good yontif. And uh, take five minutes to chill, you know? And take five minutes to ask yourself the following question. You know, what have I learned this Sukkot? And how am I different? And how am I going to take that beyond Sukkot? into the rest of your, what big, what good midah or mitzvah or something like that am I picking up from Sukkot? And how can I bring that into the rest of the year? And Shemini Atzeris will be the day you consider that. Otherwise, you'll just go right into Yom Chol and it'll be forgotten because you have to jump right back into the mundane world. Uh, anyway, with that, I wish everybody good Yom Tov.